in the rhythm and rush of days like these, it feels as if the world is so busy that the lights don't move anymore. The colors don't even fade. You can run around from one responsibility to the next, and you'll forget about all the people you go through life with. Or maybe you don't even have to be busy at all in order to forget the people around you. In my first position serving at a local congregation, I was a director of Christian education for a large United Methodist Church in Annapolis. I'd been hired to cover the responsibilities of a long-serving, well-respected chair of the Order of Christian Educators for the Baltimore-Washington Conference of the United Methodist Church. My predecessor was a mother. She was trained specifically for her field, and she had served under several clergy and seen them come and go. In contrast, I was a newly graduated, newly married, generally trained religious professional with little professional experience. I'd come in after my predecessor had left in a huff, taking a six-week vacation during which she actually interviewed for her next position. She gave very little notice of her departure, and the congregation was left confused and upset when she made her move to Savannah, Georgia. I was doomed from the start. And it came through in unexpected ways, ways in which the congregants displaced their anger and resentment at the senior pastor, at God, at the congregation's leadership, instead directing it at me, the scapegoat, the newcomer. The first and most entertaining way that the church started to complain about me was in their response to my note to them in their church newsletter. They had no problem with what I wrote, but they took issue with, as my senior pastor shared with me, my decision to include a naked woman in the photo of myself. It was a painting. It was not a photograph. It was a Picasso. It was blue. It was in the background at a coffee shop where my wife had taken the photo of me sipping coffee. This was something which has been celebrated as emblematic of 20th century modern art. But this is what raised alarm bells for the people in the church who were ready to raise alarm bells about anything. There was a naked woman in my photo. They didn't stop there. It was just the beginning. Uh, the rest of the year, it was one complaint after another, which all amounted to the same criticism. I was not my predecessor and never would be. They were angry at God, they were angry at their pastor, their church leadership, but they couldn't give voice to that. So they directed it at me and they blamed me. And it makes sense to me now that they would do anything to avoid facing what they were really feeling. It made no sense that they would blame me for how their senior pastor had struggled to get along with the person I replaced. It made no sense that they would blame me that he struggled so much to manage a very petty, triangulating, gossiping, and bitter employee. It made no sense that they would take it out on me. 
but it doesn't need to make sense. If what you really want to accomplish is just to avoid facing your own shortcomings, your own inability to trust newcomers, your own outrageous expectation for people to be exactly like each other from one to the next. It doesn't need to make sense if what you really want is to give yourself permission to be mean, to be spiteful, to make snide remarks, and to turn a blind eye to callous treatment of your neighbor, callous treatment which leads them to feel hurt, to feel isolated, ignored, disparaged, dismissed, and effectively shut out. I'm glad that I was only one year at that church. But that kind of behavior has consequences. It leaves others, in this case me, feeling empty, feeling like there's nothing but dreams where affirmation and validation might be. It leaves others feeling alone. And this is an experience that I can share with you, because I know you've all had the same feeling, one way or, that, or another. It does make me wonder what happened to the gospel, where in Christ we say we speak to each other with respect, we are honest when we have been wounded, we apologize when we hurt each other. What happened to the gospel, where in Christ we say we do not treat others as objects, we see them not as something to be consumed, but as fellow beloved children of God and we celebrate the beauty and strength of one another. Whatever happened to the gospel where in Christ we say, when someone is bound by law in a system of abuse and neglect and violence, we do not leave them suffering, we proclaim them freedom. And we recognize the end of a relationship can actually be the beginning of healing. Whatever happened to the gospel, where in Christ we say that we believe in following through on what we'll say that we will do. We say yes when a yes will lead to life, and we say no when a no can be said in love. And in all of our days, we choose love and we choose life. Whatever happened to the gospel? Whatever happened to the love of God in our hearts? Because love is the origin of faith and the origin of hope, it's also the origin of everything. God's love couldn't be contained and it exploded into what we now call a big bang. Love is our origin. And this love described by Paul isn't mushy or sentimental. It's tough and unwilling to yield. This love tells the truth daily. This love which is patient and kind and isn't rude or boastful is self-giving. And the frightening reality about this kind of love is that you cannot manipulate it. There's no amount of self-righteousness, no amount of personality management, strained pretense that can affect this kind of love. There's no amount of points that can earn it. It demands something of you and of me, and we find in ourselves, hopefully, a courage to look at who we truly are deep down, that we would find in ourselves how we really do treat one another, even if we're fearful to open our eyes.
Love requires us to come to terms quickly with those we have wronged. It requires us to leave our manufactured safe houses to face our own selves for who we are and to ask for the help from the one who knows us better than we could dare to imagine and accepts us all the same. We keep running away from who we are, keep ignoring our own shortcomings, but God sees them every day and accepts us just the same, wishes we would as well. Will you act with this kind of love in your life, even for the people you have already cast out and cut off? What might happen if you did? I can't wait to see. Amen.